read to you, please. It's on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning at verse 18. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognising the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judged ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined, so that we will not be condemned with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for each other. If anyone is hungry, he should eat at home. So that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment, and when I come, I will give further directions. Amen. Let me show you a book. I've got two books to show you this morning. This is a bestseller that uh, someone in our home is about to read, having watched the film that's on the screen, The Guernsey. It's a bit of a mouthful. The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. I think the book is perhaps, and the title of the book is perhaps as much of a mouthful as a potato peel pie might be. But uh, The Potato Peel Pie and the Guernsey Literary Society is a super film. I watched it this week. I'm more of a film person than a book person. That's kind of changing over the years, but it's a super film. It's a super film that in a very tender way looks at uh, the sacrifice of so many for so few during the Second World War. And the island of Guernsey was uh, not very far from France, but the island of Guernsey experienced something that, uh, praise God, the United Kingdom as a whole did not experience, which was German occupation. In a very tender way, you see the cost of occupation on a small uh, fishing community, predominantly in Guernsey. Children were sent far away, and rightly so. They were evacuated for safety, so families could be preserved to some degree. If all was lost, they would not be men and women serving their country. Some returned with physical scars. Some, as Dave prayed, 
returned with mental scars. But whether you went and served or whether you served by remaining, everybody bore the scars of war. That's clearly portrayed in the film. And so, for the fallen, there's a famous stanza, they shall not grow old as that we who are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. That's what the poppy stands for, whether you made it at 10 o'clock, thanks to Anne-Marie for doing that, whether you made it as a, as a child or as an adult, you, made it, you did a little craft, and you made your own poppy, whether you bought one, a metal one or a, a plastic one, that's what the poppy is so significant in remembering. It's remembering the sacrifice of so many for so few. It came off the back of uh, the sacrifice of someone in the First World War. A Canadian doctor, Lieutenant Colonel John McRae, was inspired at seeing the, the battered and damaged and churned up fields of Normandy and Belgium where poppies grew and he was inspired at the loss of a loved one to pen words but also to sell poppies. And that theme was embraced after the First World War, and millions were purchased and millions were sold so that millions of people could be supported for the sacrifice of their lives. <laughs> and so it's an armistice day, the 11th hour of the 11th month, that all the wars and all the conflicts and all the sacrifice is poignantly remembered in silence. With all our separate lives, we come together to wear a poppy. With all our separate convictions on a whole host of things, we put those to one side and we pause and remember as a corporate entity, as a nation, as a world, as we remember the sacrifice of so many. To some degree, that's what's happening in this passage here. We're, we're remembering with, with elements of bread and with wine, with, with juice. We are symbolically remembering, like we do, with a poppy. Five times in this passage that we know very well from verse uh, 18 of 1 Corinthians 11 down to verse uh, 34 or so, five times there is a, a phrase that's kind of clouded by English, but it means to come together. It means to be drawn together. It means to commune together. Five times in different ways we, we read this phrase, and it's reminding us that the table, just like a poppy, it unites us, it brings us together. A poppy unites for a limited period of time and we look back to the past and we remember, looking back at the past, the freedom we have in the present. But the table does something similar but altogether different as well. I want us to consider what four things it does. I'm going to be quick, going to be brief, you'll be relieved. But uh, this table, the communion table, the Lord's Supper, as Christians call it, connects us from the present to the past just like a poppy does. It connects us from the present to the past. There's some uh, headlines you'll see on the screen behind me as we work three, through. But the, uh, that's what communion does. It connects the, the present to the past. What do I mean? We're told here, written from the pen of the Apostle Paul, who's quoting verbatim from the lips of Jesus about this communion, this, this Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper happened at Passover time. And Passover in the present for the Lord Jesus connects to an event in the past. 
It's a significant event, the most significant act of liberation, not of the great world wars, but uh, in the whole of the Old Testament. It's this moment that New Testament writers, that Old Testament writers and prophets and priests look back to and say, that shows us the strength of the arm of God, and he liberated his people from slavery. He liberated his people from under the heel of Pharaoh. And Jesus refers back to this one night in history on which he was betrayed, and he says there's another night in history where my father, God, liberated my people from slavery and from the heel of Pharaoh. The Israelites were slaves. They were under a horrible bondage. No hope was theirs. They were looking forward to a life of slavery and hard work until God sent a servant, Moses, who pleaded and then proclaimed with, to Pharaoh, let my people, let God's people go. And he refused. And then God, in his mercy, gave us a, a summing up of all of history in one evening. Judgment would come. Deliverance would be provided. God sent the angel of death to Egypt. It's a mini picture of the whole of human history in one night. How would God's people survive the angel of death that God sent towards that land? This is what's written in the Bible. In every home, the Israelite families must come together. You must make a meal. You must take a lamb. You must kill it and put the blood on the doorposts of your homes. You must take shelter under the blood of the lamb. And as the lamb dies, instead of anybody else in the home, so when the angel of death comes over and sees the blood on the doorposts, the angel of death will literally pass over the family and they will be saved. Come together, make a meal, take my words into your heart. Do as I'm telling you. Take shelter under the blood of the lamb. The lamb dies in your place. And when the angel of death sees the blood of the lamb, and as you shelter under the blood of the sacrificial offering, you will be safe. And you're not just to do this once, says Moses in Exodus chapter 12. You're to do this as a remembrance. You're to do this in perpetuity. You're to do this forever, on into the future. Every year, take a sacrificial offering. And as you take that, you remember this one night in Egypt. And that happened every year in every Jewish home until the night that the Apostle Paul is remembering when Jesus takes bread and in verse 24 and verse 25, Paul is quoting from Jesus, who stood up on the night before he went to the cross, and he changed all of human history when he said, this, verse 24, is my body. This is the bread of my affliction. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. And at every Jewish home up until that evening, there would have been a, the head of the home, the man of the house, and he would take bread, and he would take unleavened bread, and he would take wine, and he would have a wonderful meal set out before his family and anyone else that was welcomed in, and there would be lamb there to enjoy. I'm salivating just thinking about it. A wonderful lamb, and there would be it was symbolically remembering that evening. But then Jesus comes, and the disciples should be asking a question. The bread is here. The wine is here. But where's the lamb? And Jesus is saying, and the Apostle Paul is saying, every time you have a communion table, the Lord's Supper is remembered, you need to remember 
that when Jesus came, he kind of ripped things up. I mean, the prophets knew this. It's uh, said in the video. Isaiah chapter 53, we all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And the prophet Isaiah, 800 years before Jesus' birth, says these words, and yet he doesn't say who he's talking about. He calls him the servant of the Lord. And then Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body. Take some bread. This is my blood. Take some wine and remember it. But where's the lamb? Jesus is saying, I'm the lamb has come to take away the sin of the world. This night is unlike any other night since Passover began. Because I'm talking about me. I've come to die. I'm going to do it tomorrow, says Jesus, for the sins of the world. This is the last Passover evening before I bear the judgment of God, before it's passed over as it's done in history. Every sacrifice of every lamb that was symbolic of the sacrifice I would make, every word from every prophet, every utterance from every priest and king points to me. And so there doesn't need to be a lamb anymore because I'm the sacrificial lamb that they all point to. This is my blood. This is my body. I'm the one and the only one that every sheep, every lamb has pointed to. I'm the one and the only one who can take away the sins of the world. So every time, just like wearing a poppy, you look back and you remember the sacrifice of the past. When you take cup, a cup of wine and you take some bread, communion connects us intimately to the past. And that's what Jesus is sowing, showing. Uh, here's the second one. It connects you to God. Communion connects you to God. Again, the center of the passage, verse 24 and verse 25. When Jesus, and when the Apostle Paul says, this is how you are to share communion together, Take some bread, put it in someone's hand. Take a, a cup of wine, put it into someone's hand. When you do that, as you do that, Jesus is, is making himself very accessible. For the first time, God is coming near to you, you could say. It's not just a general concept of a, a communion meal. This is God coming close. I'm accessible. You can literally meet with me through this meal. It's a remembrance table. It's a table of celebration. There's some degree in which God feeds his people in a deep mystery through the table. And so Jesus says, verse 24, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, now I'm pretty squeamish. I had to go to the doctors this week. They had a look in my ear. No blood was involved. Praise God, no syringes were involved in my ear as well, or I probably would have been on the floor. But um, medicine is doing the job. But just imagine a field hospital. I don't mean a modern one. I mean, they're gory enough with modern technology and with uh, you know, anaesthetists and whatnot. But just imagine an old one. Imagine a World War II field hospital. Then go further back, World War I. Then go further back into history. Whichever war you would, can imagine. Imagine a Victorian field hospital looking at the ravages of war, there would be body parts that are not connected in the way that they should be. There would be fingers and limbs that are literally not connected in a normal way. That's the opposite of the word remembrance. 
The word comes from member, meaning a body part. So to dismember means to disconnect body parts in, in a way that should not be naturally done. So to remember means to reconnect body parts in the way that they should be. And so Jesus is saying, you have forgotten something. You have become disconnected in some way. Some things that ought to be together have been put apart. So do this, take bread, take wine, celebrate all that I've done so that you remember what I've done. There's something that is not part of your being that should be part of your being. Do this in remembrance of me. So if you're filled with anxiety, that so many of us struggle with, anxiety or fear, and you're a Christian this morning, if you're filled with anxiety or fear, it's either because you don't believe Jesus Christ is the Lord of the universe, you don't believe that Jesus valued you so much that he gave up his life for you, or you've just forgotten him. You do believe that with all your heart, but you just need to remember it. You see? You can believe a truth, but you can forget it, and it just needs to be remembered. It needs to be earthed and reconnected. And what's the best way for that to happen? Come around the table. You remember you're loved. You remember you're valued. You remember you're treasured. Jesus Christ gave everything for you. He's the Lord of the universe, so I do not need to fear. I don't need to be anxious. I felt anxious this week. But I don't need to fear because God says I'm his treasured possession. You need to remember the truth, truth that's in your head, that's no longer connected to your heart. You need to remember it. And the truth in your mind will transform your heart's affections. That's what it means to remember. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember who I am. Remember how much I treasure you. Remember the promises I've said over you. You need to think of yourself in light of the gospel, Paul is saying. You need to put those truths back together every time you celebrate the Lord's table. Think about everything in light of the cross of Christ. It's not just part of your Christian life. That's a misnomer. All of life as a Christian is the Christian life. So you need to remember the truth that you're loved and accepted and ransomed and healed, restored and forgiven. Do this in remembrance of me. Communion connects you to the past. It connects you to God. Thirdly, it connects us together. It connects us together. It, there's a horizontal aspect to this communion table. 1 Corinthians is, is written to a, a struggling church. We kind of enjoy that, I think, in my dark humour. I like that there's 1 and 2 Corinthians written in the Bible because uh, our church is pretty messy and, and here's one that's even messier. And without Paul understanding what life is like in the church in Corinth, we wouldn't understand a lot of how to do church. And Paul comes and says, verse 18, there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the church in Corinth. Look at verse 18 with me. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it, says Paul. You read the whole of 1 Corinthians, there's huge egos, huge conflicts, huge uh, horrible stuff going on that should, has no place in the world, let alone in the church. Back in the early days, the, the communion table was not as uh, sanitised, let's say, as it is today. 
it would happen at the end of a, a worship service, at the end of a Christian service, but it wouldn't just be individual bits of bread or uh, little cups of juice. It would be a meal. It would be a fantastic meal. I'm salivating again. It would be stuff like naan bread. It would be stuff like fruit. There would be all sorts of food, and there would be a wonderful table to enjoy. But it's not just an individual thing. People would bring their own. Bring your own. It would be a shared meal. But here's the problem that Paul is saying. Some people bring so much wine that they just want to get drunk. Some people are bringing so much food, they're just gorging themselves. And uh, people's wealth is becoming offensive because there are other people who haven't got enough. There are other people who are so hungry, they're just looking in jealousy at the wealthy that are just lording their wealth over other people. It's a disgrace, says the Apostle Paul. Don't come to communion to eat your fill of food. It's not about you, it's about him. And it's about other people. Your actions are causing an offence to other people, says the Apostle Paul. How dare you, he's saying. Look at verse 20. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. You're thinking about yourselves. You're not thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Too much wine, too much food, too much offence. It's not the Lord's Supper. Verse 29. Anyone who eats and drinks without recognising the body of the Lord, without remembering your part of a community, says Paul, you eat and drink the judgment of God upon yourself. Very, very sober words. Why is Paul so deadly direct in his words? He sees the gospel is at stake, that's why. The grace of God has won a people and it's levelled the playing field. It's not about your pedigree and what you've done or your past and your failures. It's not about, uh, well it is about pride. It's become about pride and Paul looks at the church in Corinth and says you've got it all wrong because you've forgotten the grace of God that saved you. You're boasting, look how much food I've got. And you're hardening your hearts to the things of God. Paul says, what you're doing is very, very serious indeed. You need to remember the grace of God. This is about the sacrifice of King Jesus. And so remember that as you take the cup, make sure you have checked the motives of your heart. As you take the bread, is there any unrestored relationship in a church family that you need to repent of? Remember the grace of God that's been shown to you. So how dare you not show grace to someone else? That's what Paul's saying. You know the truth of the gospel, but you're not living it. It's become dismembered. You need to remember it. So don't maintain a grudge or be bitter towards someone else or have something unforgiven and, and then come to the Lord's table. Don't behave in that way because you will eat and drink judgment on yourself. No, come before the Lord and repent. Repent and remember the gospel. That It's about the gospel of grace. Forgive that person. Go to them before you eat and drink. Let the elements pass you by. Don't just take the bread and the wine because everyone else is, even if you're a Christian, if you know there's something unresolved in your heart. That's what Paul's saying. Fourthly, finally, remember that the table connects you to the future. It's something that a poppy can't do. It's, it's a brilliant and a appropriate remembrance of the past. But it can't connect us to the future. Look at verse 26. 
when you eat this bread and drink this cup, do so and you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Once again, in this super book, the uh, Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Society, there is a meal. Uh, Meat is banned. One of the things that happens in Guernsey is that uh, the German occupiers say, meat is off the menu, any uh, pork, lamb, uh, beef that you've got, chickens, we're going to take the lot, and you can just eat potatoes, and you can grow them for us as well. We're going to starve you to death. But... uh, with a little bit of a spoiler alert, they keep one back and they have a lovely supper. It's really touching. There's a sense of community that they've not experienced for a long time. Pork's back on the menu for one evening and this potato peel pie comes and is brought in. It looks pretty impressive. I'm sure it tastes disgusting because there's no milk, there's no um, butter in it, but they're doing the best they can with what they've got. I wonder if you think heaven's going to be like that going to be a bit like a potato peel pie because God's a bit of a miser he's a bit stingy he wants to uh, give up what we can enjoy now from a big bad God who will get me in and who's not out to have fun I'm going to never I'm going to give up this world so that uh, just in the chance there might be another world listen to uh, where this table points us blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb notice lamb And I've heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. I'm making all things new. Now that's a supper. A supper full, a table full of the greatest things you can ever imagine. Every heart's desire and longing will be met in that relationship with the king and in that meal. No more war. No more mental health struggles. No more struggles on the outside or on the inside. No more fears and tears and crying. You will be completely satisfied in him and by him. No potato peel pies there, I think. God is whispering to you through the table as you take this tiny little hors d'oeuvre, tiny little piece of bread that I made last night, tiny little cup of juice, and it's just a taster of the greatest meal that we're looking forward to. But it's a meaningful meal every time we celebrate it because God is saying through the meal, I'm unconditionally committed to get you from here and the struggles that you're experiencing to there. And I never break a promise. And I never will. Something you taste in this meal is something you see in this meal. And it's a wonderful remembrance. It's just like a poppy. But a poppy is just looking back. But this table looks in different dimensions and different directions. And it's completely appropriate that we're going to sing. And then we're going to celebrate the Lord's death and his resurrection through the Lord's table now.